Support for the Eyes Free Sports podcast is brought to you by Clusive. As a blind or visually impaired athlete, you know how important training is. With Clusive, you can take training on assistive technology, occupational, and career skills all online to help you reach your employment goals. Learn more at www.clusive.io. That's www.clusive.io. Howdy, howdy, and thanks for tuning into episode 91 of the Eyes Free Sports podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on our 91st episode of the podcast, we are chatting with uh, one of my beat baseball teammates, uh, who was also a longtime goalball player, and in addition is a stand-up comedian, actor, and uh, just super cool guy in general. So let's go ahead and get rolling now with episode 91 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. All right, so my guest here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports is Zephyrin Victor Jr., uh, a.k.a. Sino Evil, and we'll get into that nickname uh, here in a bit. And uh, so Zeph uh, is actually one of my teammates on the Braille Bandits of Palm Beach County Beat Baseball Team and uh, also a longtime goalball player. Zeph, welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's going on, Greg, and everybody who's listening? Glad to be here. Awesome. Really, really looking forward to this, Zeph. I know, uh, you know, in addition to your adaptive sports career, you're definitely uh, involved in entertainment and uh, comedy and just a super cool guy. So really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thanks. Because you said it that way, it sounds like I'm pretty busy, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yep, yep. So why don't we just kind of kick things off here just with your, your background. Just talk to me about where you're originally from and where you grew up. Well, I am from Miami, Florida. I was born there, um, lived there until I was about 28. Then I moved, well, 27. Then I moved to um, Fort Lauderdale, and that's where I've been since then. My mom's side of the family is from the Bahamas. My dad's side of the family is from an island called Dominica um, in the West Indies. And that's that's my background. Nice. Very interesting uh, heritage there. And then as far as your visual impairment, uh, just talk to me about uh, you know your visual impairment. Have you been visually impaired since birth? Or? Mm, no, it started happening around um, the age of five, six. Um, they, they took notice to me squinting when I was watching TV at a distance. And we actually moved to a school closer where where we could live closer so I can um, get the attention that I needed. I wasn't in visually impaired classes yet. That was like in maybe in the fourth grade that I was actually put into the um, VI classes. But even from then, I was mainstream because, you know, I was, I was working on a level above mine, above everybody else. So, you know, I was in and out of the VI classes. For those of you who know about the um, VI classes, it's called retina detachment. It it runs in my family on my mom's, on the women's side of the family. So every woman passes it to one boy um, within their family, their immediate hmm. family. So I have it. One of my um, first cousins has it. My nephew has it. My granddad had it. 
but we all have different levels of it. Me and my cousin are totally blind. My nephew, you know, technology is different now. He's 15, so he has sight still in um, both of his eyes, but he's been getting a lot of surgeries. My granddad was only able to see out of one of his eyes, but he was still driving. It's just it's different, different levels. I was visually impaired. I had, you know, I was holding on to my vision up until I was 11 years old, first day of school. Well, actually, right before school ended that year, I, I guess that was um, 91. I was sitting down playing Mario 2 when, it, you know, Mario 2 had just came out. And yep, yep. <laughs> And I had the controller in my hand. My teacher used to let us play every Friday and everything just went pink. Um, hmm. That was uh, after my, you know, the first surgery that I had and the doctor told us it would be a 50-50 chance that I would see better or worse. And my dad was so desperate to get my eyesight better that he, he said yes. And that day everything went pink. I went the whole summer seeing pink i played outside played football played video games i tried and nobody even found out until the weekend was over that that weekend that it happened so another doctor came along after we went back to the hospital told me that um he can bring my eyesight back so he brought it back in one eye and i held on to it till i was 30 years old i'm 43 now um and that day you know i, I can't even tell you when it went if there's a thing called I wasn't using my eyesight anymore, I just stopped using it because I was I was I came to terms with it and it just went. Right. Right. Wow. And then so now you said you are pretty much totally blind. Oh, yeah. I ain't see nothing. <laughs> if I can't <laughs> see something, I don't know because I don't try. <laughs> but I, I know people right. can't see. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so then as far as education, anything you want to mention uh, in terms of uh, just education achievements, anything yeah, uh, I mean, I attended school in Miami for the most part. I went to uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, college. I did everything in Miami. Um, by the time I moved to Broward, I was done with school. Went to school. Even though I was visually impaired, I still went to school for computer technology. I got an A-plus certification, networking. But I couldn't do anything with it because it's, it's a visual thing, you know? They taught us how to take right. apart computers, put them together. JAWS wasn't what it is now. Um, it just That's just something I would say it was probably bad advisory. Just went to school for something that I just wasn't going to use. Um, and computers are totally different now. So what I knew back then just is just obsolete now. Um, True. It changes so fast. Yeah. <laughs> So then before we get into your, your career in entertainment, uh, definitely want to talk some, some sports here. Um, so as far as goalball, was that kind of your first sport that you got into? That is the first official sport that I got into. Um, well, I ran track first. Um, hmm. I'm pretty fast, you know, but I... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I... I they put me into um, goalball and I loved it. It's a funny story. I didn't even I haven't even told anybody. I don't even know if my friends remember, but the first year in middle school that goalball was introduced, I couldn't go on that trip because I got in trouble in school. <laughs> and so my <laughs> friends went without me. That was my punishment. I was upset about that. I don't even remember what I did, 
but I know I know for sure that some of the people that went on the trip was in some foolishness like I was, but they decided not to let me go. And right. I ended up being the only person that's that's still able to play it. You know, they don't they don't even play anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> once they found out that I I could pick up on the sport and be really really good at it, you know, they I was the head of the team, you know, and I played goalball for you know since '94. You know, it's been a long time, almost 30 years now. Um, wow, I've been a goalball player. Uh, and I, I love it. It is it is my first love, you know. I love every other sport, basketball, football, baseball, boxing. I love every sport. Is this, you know, um, blind sports are made for blind people. So, no, that's what I stick to. Exactly, yeah. And I know you had told me you've gotten to, you know, compete in goalball alongside uh, some Paralympians. And oh, yeah. One some very medal, accomplished. Silver medal, yeah. bronze, I've, I've been there. Yeah. Anyone want to give a shout out to teammates you've had over the years? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of them. I mean, uh, shout out to Tyler Marion, um, Dante Mickens, uh, Daryl Walker, Tim Dornbrock, Jimmy Sanchez. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, there's many people. Skip, uh, it, it's, it's so many people that I've played with, but, I can say that I've never gone outside of Florida to play with anyone, you know, not I mean, outside of the Florida talent. I've always played on Florida teams. It's just hard for me to put on, um, put on anyone else's Jersey, you know? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Got to represent the sunshine state, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it's, it's been difficult, you know, at the reason I don't play goalball now. I do teach it. Um, actually taught a class last week, but there's no goalball down here anymore. All of my teammates moved away. They retired, um, playing for other teams. You know, they, I, there's just no way for me to practice down here. So I did pick up beat baseball and I love playing it too. Yeah. Yeah. And before we get into beat ball. Uh, as far as goalball, any any tournaments that come to mind? Any moments in your career that really stand out to you? Yes. Um, let me see. Man, I, I've played in many tournaments. The one tournament that I remember that we did get a gold medal in was um, in Atlanta. Uh, it was a national hmm. tournament. I don't remember what year that was. It had to be in like uh, maybe 15, 14 something like that but we you know the the um south florida team did pick up a gold medal and i was just i was so excited to hoist that because it's you know it took what twenty what almost 20 years for me to get a national gold medal and once i tasted that victory it was hard for me to cut it loose so anything that i participate in any sport you know, anything less than a gold medal is, is not good enough for me. And I'm always looking to do better. True. That's a great mindset to have, no doubt. Uh, so then in terms of beat baseball, um, so how were you kind of first introduced to beat ball? And what was it about the sport that really appealed to you? I actually played beat baseball for the first time back in maybe like 2006, seven, something like that. I also want to give a shout out to my mom. 
the first guy that I that I, first two guys that I started the Go Ball program, adult ball program down here with. It was um Junior Ortiz and uh, Randolph Linares. Those those were my two running mates. But um beat baseball was introduced to me a long time ago. Um it was actually a, a Go Ball tournament up in uh Pennsylvania and uh, what was that uh I forgot what city that was, but it um, it was introduced to me there. They they had a they gave us a chance to go out and play beat baseball in the field in between the games, and I was hitting the ball, and I was like, I think I like this. You know what? What do you give up on that you feel like you're good at? You know, and if I feel like I'm good at it, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to keep doing it. But unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play beat baseball again until like 2021, 2021, about 20, where they started a team here in Fort Lauderdale that's no longer. But one of my friends were playing, a couple of my friends were playing, and they were like, just come out and see if you like it. And I was so stuck on goalball, I was like, nah, I'm not switching sports because each sport says the other sport is no good. <laughs> and they're both really good. <laughs> You know, true. Yep. And I, I actually went out because it was a rock throw distance away from my house. So I went over there and tried it, and and I was good again. So I was like, I'm going to keep doing this, and ended up joining the Palm Beach Bandits the next year once the Fort Lauderdale team fizzled out, and I've been playing with them since 2021. Nice, yeah. And just what is it about people that that kind of gets your your mojo going, your blood flowing. Me being good at it. <laughs> uh, you know, any blind sport, I can, I will try. And then to be good at it is a plus. You know, I, I, I love being able to run around and be free. As a blind person, you want to be in a in a in a um, environment in an area where you can be free, when you can run around and move around and know that there's nothing in the way, nothing you can trip over, nothing you can run into, you know, being free to roam around is what excites me about the game. Being able to hit the ball and run to a place where I know there's nothing there. When the ball is hit out in the field, being able to command and take charge of everyone in the field and um, grab the ball, pick it up, out i just i just love the spotlight and i love being able to be a teammate to be to be the captain that i am i just love that and that's why i feel like i, I love big baseball nice yeah i can definitely attest to you know your your passion and just your your want to kind of out there on the field and just getting to play with you so and as far as being team captain, I know, I know you mentioned you are captain of the bandits. Just talk to me about that role and just, you know, what do you enjoy most about kind of being that, that leader out there? You know, growing up, I was always taught to be a leader. But as a leader, you have to be uh, empathetic. You have to have the understanding that there are people that that may or may not be on the same level as you. They, you know, maybe someone is... Uh, maybe they don't understand. And being the captain, 
means that you 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 have control over the team. You have the ability to say, hey, this isn't working. Hey, this is working. Being able to understand there could be someone better than you. Being able to calm situations down. Um, being able to take the message from the coach and the staff and relay it to the team and help them to understand what's needed. I love being in that position. You know, I, I, I can say that the complexion of the team has changed since I first got there, even though the team keep, you know, it has a, a high turnover rate. Um, some people feel differently about the about sports or the sport and we just you know there's a high turnover rate between volunteers and players i know that i'm i'm staying where i am and i'm always willing to learn more because i know i don't know everything that i need to know and that's part of being a captain you have to understand and hold on to what you do know and understand that you can always get better and there's always someone out there better than you so i do i do have that uh that's that's my thought process. Sure, sure. Great perspective. And I know you have competed uh, in several people tournaments and uh, any any moments, any you know particular games or times that stand out to you in your beatball career. Like I said, I love the spotlight. I love knowing that I did something well and get the recognition for it. And I I also know that I'm I can't always be the hero. And two two things that come to mind are um, maybe last year uh, when one of my teammates, my co-captain, he he, I had a chance to hit the game winner of the last game that we played for placement last year, and um, we were in Beaumont, Texas. I had the chance to win the game, and I didn't, you know, I I, I struck out, and he batted behind me and he scored the winning run. And I was excited as excited for him as I would have been for myself, because I know that everything doesn't have to rest on my shoulders. I can depend on my teammates to do that. And he did. So um, that's one instance. And also last year in Beaumont, Texas, when a ball was hit to the outfield, I don't remember which team we were playing, but I was running to my right to go get the ball. And as I heard it coming to me, I knew I wasn't going to be able to run to grab it. So I dove and slid on the ground and the ball bounced over me. So I reached up with my, um, even with, with the arm that I was laying on, I, I kind of like rolled myself backwards and reached up and grabbed the ball out of the air. And they called it out and the volunteers came over to me, you know, the, volunteers that were helping from Texas they were like that was an awesome play and I didn't realize what I really did but you know on the way back to the dugout every, the umpire everybody said that was an awesome play I love hearing that <laughs> kind of stuff <laughs> I love it oh yeah just getting that that feedback kind of that validation that you're doing a, a good you know like you said making a good play you're doing the right thing definitely rewarding I'm sure yes yes I I leave everything where it is you know I I step on the field, I leave myself out on the field. You you won't catch me giving up when I'm out there. You know, there there have been a lot of times where I probably should have probably taken the spanking or, or uh, you know, something, you know, striking out or something. You know, 
I, I I put myself out there. If I do my best and the team didn't win or come out on a positive note, I, you know, at least I, I put myself out there, you know, and that's how I feel about anything. That's what I was taught growing up. That's what I took to anything that I do, and I still use it. I teach my kids that. And my coach says all the time, give up. I mean, give out, don't give up. So I, I keep that in mind, and that's what I do. Right, right. Definitely well said. Um, I am curious about, obviously, you played goalball for a long time. Now you played beatball for a couple of years. Just talk to me about kind of the, the similarities and differences between the two sports as far as kind of the, the skill sets that you need. Um, obviously, like, you know, diving is, is important to stop the ball in goalball, uh, to, to stop the ball in beatball. Just kind of talk to me about the, the similarities and differences. Well, for, for anyone, any visually impaired or blind athlete out there, I really, really strongly recommend that you play goalball before you play beat baseball. I think that was hmm. the most excellent training I could have had from anywhere. Because goalball consists of you diving out on a basketball court. You know, you have on pads, but you're diving out on the basketball court for the ball. And the, and the, the uh, object of the game is to get hit. You know, it's the opposite of dodgeball where you're trying to get out of the way of the ball. This one, you're putting yourself in the way of the ball. You can get hit. You have to get hit. If you don't get hit, you're getting scored on. And... The ball is bigger, of course. The ball is heavier. And you take a beating from diving on the ground, you know, between the ball and the, and the floor. And coming into beat baseball, you do the same thing. You have, you have to get in front of, put your body in front of the ball. The ball is smaller, so you have less margin for error. But you have to use your ears. And goal ball, I was taught to turn your body to the ball, you know, wherever you hear the ball, if you, even if it's moving, if the other team is taking it from one side of the court to the other, to, other to throw, you, you turn your body towards the ball or you get in front of it. And I use that same method in beat baseball. The um, spotters on the field are supposed to tell you where the ball is going. You know, they call the number once it's hit. To be honest, I listen to the ball first, then their voice. That's just what I was taught in goalball. Wherever the ball is, that's where your ears are. You put the ball in between your ears, and that's what I teach my teammates. When you when you run into the base, you keep the base in between your ears. If it's all in the left side, you need to turn your body. If it's all on the right side, turn your body. And using these methods is what's help what helps me to uh, play beat baseball on the high level. Let the ball hit your body. Use any part of your body to to stop the ball from going past you. If the ball touches your body, you need to react. You know, if it hits your leg, if it hits your hand, your arm, your stomach, your chest, you have to your your hands and arms should be moving towards that ball to knock it down. It doesn't matter what it hits after that. You need to grab it, and that's what that's what goal ball is, and that's what beat baseball is. Of course, it's different when it comes to batting and throwing. Um, between the two sports but that's that's what I use and hopefully you know my teammates have been using that and there's some people that I didn't even think would get it and they're playing excellently so 
that's those are the, that's what I use for the between the two games. Gotcha. Yeah, that's really interesting what you said about kind of how goalball maybe kind of prepared you, you know, to be a better beatball player in a way. It did. You're not going to get hit, hit as hard in beat baseball as you do in goalball. The ball right. does feel different, but either way, both games require you, you 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 have to touch the ball, you have to get hit by the ball, you have to grab the ball, so they're they're similar in that way. Exactly. Yep. Great perspective. So let's move on to your career and uh, really curious to, to dive into your career in entertainment and comedy. And uh, so let's start with your nickname. So I know you go by See No Evil and just talk to me about how you came up with that name. <laughs> Actually, I didn't. Um, I was using <laughs> my real name. My, my real name is so unique. I was using it. Uh, I felt like it would be good enough. But throughout my life, people have had problems and still do pronouncing my name. And I met a veteran comedian, you know, he, he liked my style, even though my style wasn't fully developed yet, but I was winning competitions down here in South Florida, like comedy competitions and things like that. And he was like, I think you should change your name. And I got the perfect name for you. And he said, see no evil. And I thought about it. I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And I ran it across family members, my girlfriend at the time, and they all said, I think that's awesome. And I started using it. And then I realized that that's when the, <laughs> that's when the monkey emoji covering his eyes came out. And I realized <laughs> that I, I was like, I don't know if I can use this because whenever you type see no evil in, this monkey comes up. And I ain't no doggone monkey. <laughs> so I was like, what do I do? So I, you know, I came up with the idea to put comedian in front of it because I was like, that's what I do. So once I put comedian, see no evil, even though it's long, it, if you say comedian, see no evil, everybody knows who you're talking about. And, you know, I went to search it just to make sure it would be legit and nowhere was this name. So my email is that all of my social media handles, everything is consistent with that same name. So I kept it. Right. Right. Very interesting. And uh, just in terms of, you know, comedy, uh, joking, I'm curious, how did you kind of develop that? Were you kind of the, the jokester, you know, in, in class growing yeah. up? Or? Yeah. <laughs> I was. And um, I had to speak at two schools for career day last week. And part of what I told them is that, you know, growing up different, being different, looked at as being different. Um, being a kid that wore glasses, um, I didn't use a cane. I was I was able to see well enough not to use a cane, but you know I wore these thick glasses to help me see. Um, using visual aids and things like that, you're looked at as being different. And instead of fighting about it, I learned to be funny about it. Um, <laughs> I think I've only gotten into what two fights in my whole life. And neither one of them was because of that. Um, right. I, I learned to be the person who, if you say something to him, he's going to say something back to you, but people are going to laugh about it. And I, I've deterred many, many arguments, many fights, many, many bullying situations, won over teachers, um, gotten um, attention. You know, it, it's just, just being funny is what I do. And I'm, I'm just quick on my toes. And it, it, it came down to the 
family members and friends that I hung around to make me be that way. And television, of course, you know, cartoons and all everything contributed. You know, watching the greats back then, um, Eddie Murphy, um, um, Richard Pryor, Chevy yep. Chase, all of these people just checking out their stand-ups, Bill Cosby, all of their movies, all of their stand-ups, cartoons, all of that stuff contributed to what I do now. Right, right. Very cool. And uh, so I did get a chance to listen to, to one of your stand-up uh, I guess shows or whatever you want to call it, just kind of a clip on YouTube uh, the other day. And I know you definitely do not hesitate to, to joke about your blindness, kind of like you alluded to. And uh, so just kind of talk to me about your approach. You know, when you get on stage, do you kind of have things that you've, you know, written out, that you've prepared, that you've rehearsed? Just talk to me about the whole process. Well, I, I haven't realized that it's been this long. Um, next month, July 15th, is going to be nine years that I've been doing stand-up comedy. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a vet now, right? I'm becoming a vet. <laughs> I guess I got to hit that 10-year mark. I don't know. But yep. um, everything has been developing. You know, it, it, it takes you years to understand what what the power of a joke can do and how to structure it, how to do the setups, how to come up with your premises, the punchlines, what you want to talk about, who you want to talk about, the your, your targeted audience, um, all of that stuff. Uh, is is what you develop during these years, and I could say it's been a it's it's been a mostly a um, a fun ride. You know, I I haven't I've never been booed off of a stage. I have bombed maybe once or twice, but who doesn't go through that? <laughs> you're not you're you're not really in the game until you do that. And um, I talk about me mostly. You know, I take what could be serious situations or aww situations and I make them funny. Hmm. Mostly I talk about me. I also talk about current events. Um, I don't, I try not to, to put the business of the people around me on stage, even though that's what a lot of comedians do, but I just don't want to be that guy that jokes about everything that he sees. And well, I don't see anything, but everything that he hears and, and experiences. I just don't want to be that type of person that somebody come up to me and be like, were you talking about me? I don't like you talking about me. I, I, you know, people have given me that warning not to talk about them on stage, but just because you said that I just might, but I'm just not that person that does that. You know, you don't, you won't hear too much about what goes on in my house and jokes and, and, um, you know, serious situations and stuff like, Oh, I got a drunk uncle all that does this. all. I don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> Right, right. And how about like politics, religion, all those kind of taboo things? Do you pretty much shy away from that? Or I try to stay away from politics. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> so it could be boring. At the same time, you don't know how people feel. But if there's something goofy that happened, I will talk about it. Religion. It just depends. It it, it between the two religion and politics it has to be funny it has to be something that i know is going to land if i'm iffy about it i may try it in the open mic or something but 
there's a lot of things that I let go of just because I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. Sure. Sure. Gotcha. And obviously you cannot, you know, see your audience and kind of their, their visual reactions, their body language. <laughs> have, have you found that to be a challenge at all? Or just talk to me about that. It depends on who's around me. I go to a lot of shows by myself. Like I've been managedless uh, for a while. Um, managers that I have had, you know, they it's just been this different situations and stuff like that. So depends on who's with me. Uh, might be other comedians. People help me out when I ask, but you know, when I walk into a, a place or even before I go, what's your demographic? You know, what what are the ages of the people that are here or that attends your show? Um, are they black, white, brown, purple, green? How many people? You know, I get those. I, 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 ask, I ask those kind of questions, you know. Um, right. And I usually get the answer. And that for that reason, I don't like going first. You know, usually mm -hmm. I'm in a feature or headline role. But, you know, if there are people stronger than me or paid to do more than me at that time and I go first, it, it makes it more difficult on me, but I like to hear what the crowd is reacting to, you know? Are they, uh, do they want to hear jokes about family? Do they hear wanna, want to hear one-liners? Do they want to hear about sex or drinking or it, that kind of stuff? So I, I want to know what's what's going over during that time, because over these nine years, I've developed jokes for everything. I can do, a, I've done religious shows, squeaky clean. I've done raunchy shows. I've done erotic shows. I, I've done anything. I have jokes for everything. So that's why I ask questions. And I, I know what situations I don't want to be in. And I know the ones that I can thrive in. Right, right. So obviously research is key. Like you yeah. said, just kind of asking questions and, and getting an idea of like right. you said, demographics, your audience, kind of what they're maybe into or not into or, mm -hmm. or whatnot. Because it'll be silly to walk into a, a room and find out that it's the Kiwanis Club and everybody has gray hair and, and you know, wearing um, loafers and things like that. And I'm going in there telling jokes about women that I dated. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll <laughs> it, you have to know what you're getting yourself into. For sure. So Absolutely. I don't prepare to do anything until I get there. You know, I don't write anything down. I do have a list of premises, but I don't write my jokes out. Um, sometimes that has gotten me in, um, in in situations where I forgot the jokes. But for the most part, I know what I'm keeping. Um, there are jokes that I have forgotten about. But for the most part, I, I, I don't do anything until I get there. So I don't do a whole bunch of talking when I get to shows and the show starts. I may be having a conversation, but I'm mostly listening. Right, right. Gotcha. I'm curious, have you connected with uh, other comedians who are blind or visually impaired or even just, you know, with other disabilities out there? Oh, there's a lot of disabilities out there. Uh, hmm. To be honest, the the funniest people can be disabled folks or um, maybe, you know, some have some kind of challenge or some kind of, you know, something something going on with you that's not normal. That those are the most funniest things you can, most funniest people you can be around because they have a lot more to joke about. You turn what would be pain to someone else into a joke. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I've met 
uh, deaf. I've met um, physically challenged, um, wheelchair bound. I've I've met other blind comedians. I've I'm, I have uh, maybe about four other blind comedians that I communicate with or that I have been on stage with. Um, hmm. We all have different styles, which, which turns out to be funny. But yeah, there's a lot of disabilities out there when it comes to um, stand-up comedy. Right. That's awesome. Great to hear. There's there's quite a community out there, it sounds like. And to be funny, I mean, to, to, to be honest with you, um, <laughs> it, it's funny how this happens, but whenever... Uh, another disabled comedian finds out that I'm at a show I promise you it happens every time they will go up on stage and joke about me <laughs> there was a, there's a guy in a wheelchair um, his name is um, uh, what is his first name his last name is Ro why am I draw, drawing a blank but every time me and this guy are at a show he goes on stage and makes jokes about me he's in a wheelchair now but he talks about me being blind. So what I have to do once I find out that he's there, I go up there and talk about him. So it happens every freaking time. It's like I'm a target. There's That's a lot hilarious. of, a lot of, um, a lot of what I would call normal comedians, normal people that go up there every time they know I'm there and they'll joke about me. It's, it's and they know I'm not going to get mad at it. I, I just, I laugh at it and I, and I tell them, while they're doing it, you know I get a turn, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yup, yup. And then I know you've also done uh, acting as well, right? Oh, I've been acting since elementary school. Wow. Um, like I said, uh, they noticed something in me a long time ago. And that's why I have the confidence that I do. My music teachers, my uh, my regular teachers, art teachers, everyone noticed something in me. So they started putting me in plays. I've been in black history plays. I've been in plays that were originally written. Uh, I've done a lot. And I, I did that stuff as a child. You know, when I got older, I wasn't doing acting. Um, phones weren't what they are now. You know, if the, the idea was you didn't have a cell phone unless you were rich and those were the big clunky phones. You know, the, the, right. cell, the cell phones, you know, you had a house phone and that was it. I got into performing arts on a, on a bigger level when I got in high school, maybe my second year. I, you know, you have to take electives and I took a keyboarding class. And to be, to be honest, I thought keyboarding class meant it was for computers. It turned out there was a <laughs> piano sitting in front of me. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I started learning music. And I was already a music lover, you know. I love music. I still do. Music is my mood, you know. It's 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 what I do, and I I was good at it. Again, you know, I put my best into it, and I started playing for shows for the school. Then all of a sudden, it was for colleges. Then it was for the mall. Then it was on TV. Being in the spotlight, you know, front and center wasn't a thing for me. It wasn't something that I that I was afraid of because they taught me at a young age, you're going to be in front of people. You do what you're supposed to do. You know, you don't, you sure. don't deviate from what you learned and what you rehearsed. And that's what I did. And later on, you know, a couple of years ago, 
I got back into acting. Now I'm with the agency. Shout out to Align Stars. So uh, on top of doing comedy for nine years, I also am with the uh, acting agency. I don't wow. do music anymore. Uh, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I would like to, but I got have to find the right teacher to get back into it. Sure, sure. So as far as acting, any recent projects, anything you'd like to mention? I actually am in a, a short movie um, for Beat Baseball. It's called Seamless, S-E-A-M-L-E-S-S. Um, it's been out since last year, November. There is an audio described version. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, uh, I was the the um, lead role um, co-star to one of the main guys in the uh, film. Me and him were the main people. If you guys want to check it out, it is on my Comedian See No Evil page on Facebook. It's a movie about beat baseball, a, a guy, which is me who, when he was young, got hit in the face by a, a baseball, playing baseball, and got older. And the guy who hit me came back to find me after all those years and found out that I was playing big baseball. So the dialogue and everything that happens after that is what you need to see. So I have a younger version of me. There's a kid playing a younger version of me, and then there's me. That's awesome. <laughs> I've been in more than that, but that, that one... Is the most recent. There's a movie going to drop this month, June. Um, it's called Open Mic Night. Um, this one was awesome because the I, I went on stage with the director uh, as a comedian early in my career, but he wrote this movie and he actually approached me and told me that he wrote me into his script. Like, Comedian See No Evil is a character in this movie and I I was just so flattered because in the movie they're calling me by my stage name that's me right and I was just like really is that what you did he was like yeah and you know he's like we're gonna sell this we're gonna sell it to Netflix Prime you know see who picks it up and it's gonna be a series I was like so you're possibly telling me I can have an entire episode ded dedicated to me he's like yeah like oh, wow this sounds awesome <laughs> so that's supposed to drop this month wow amazing mm. mm -hmm. and i have a couple auditions that i'm doing I actually have to record today for disney oh wow they actually found me and asked me to record a couple auditions so there's a lot that i'm doing right now so uh if i seem busy it's because i am <laughs> right right wow so impressive, I gotta say, just everything that you've done, you know, athletically and on stage, acting, I mean, pretty cool stuff. <laughs> I love it, man. The spotlight is, is what I love, you know. On top of being a dad of three, I, I I put everything into whatever I do, man. And, you know, I'm also a professional gamer. It's, there's so much that I do, and I have to, I have to dedicate my time to to each one of these things and I I won't I won't get rid of anything. I, I love doing this. And right. I I'm trying to put the blind community on my back and and actually walk to the finish line. You know, I don't want to be the last person to do this. I want to show everybody that you can do this too. You you might even do it better than me, but I want you to know that I was here. Absolutely. 
Great point. And I, I know you've talked about, you know, speaking to kids at schools and kind of, you know, already giving back to the community. So I can definitely tell in addition to, to everything you do yourself, you know, and accomplishments you've had, you're, you're really trying to, to give back as well. Yes. And I, I don't, I don't mind supporting anyone else either. And it, and it's genuine. It's not just me saying that I will, you know, I support anyone, especially if they support me. So, you know, you might be selling boxes of chicken out of your house and I'll, I'll support you know, it doesn't matter. Cool. All righty. Well, again, we've been chatting with Zephyrin Zeph Victor Jr., a.k.a. Comedian See No Evil. And uh, Zeph, really appreciate the time. This was a true blast uh, getting to chat with you here on Eyes Free Sports. And uh, just congrats on everything. And uh, before we do go here, I did want to give you the chance to mention your social media handles and how people can find you online. Yeah. I'm happy to do it, man. Anytime. Um, always will be supportive think you did a great job i mean it really sounds like i'm on t on tv somewhere you know <laughs> yes everywhere it is consistently the same comedian see no evil and the word c is spelled out s-e-e comedian see no evil i'm on facebook i'm on instagram youtube twitch twitter tiktok and the email is the same, comedian, see no evil at Gmail. If you're looking to book, you know, I, I, I do motivational speaking. I do comedy, stand-up comedy. Um, I'm here. You know, if you're looking to book, you can find me that way. Follow me. If you have your own business, send it to me. I can support also. Please spread the word. To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports. 